This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, the suffering Podcast. 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 From a very early age, we're taught that our choices define us. Hanging out with the wrong group of friends will inevitably get you into trouble. Don't work hard in school, and you'll fail or get left back. The choices of youth rarely have any consequences. And if they do, they're usually mild. As we grow older, the results and responsibilities of our choices grow exponentially. By the time we're adults, we are prepared for full accountability. Not every choice you make in life is going to be soundly thought out. Some will be rash and carry severe penalties. The true mark of a human being is that we own all of our choices, both the good and the bad. And welcome back to the Suffering Podcast. We had to break this one up into two, so thank you for coming. My name's Kevin Donaldson. I'm here with Mike Felice, and we're sitting back down with Mike Panis to discuss the suffering of drunk driving. I had this, I, my, we're going to catch so much crap for cutting it off it like where that, we did because it's about to get really dark. So before we get into anything, we always got to throw a shout, a shout out to our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody, but we do trust them. So if you're looking for a car, go to toyotahackensack.com. Let them find you a car. And of course, so the cool thing is the gentleman who sent in the social media question actually put in a two-part social media question. That I pulled. So I'm going to ask the second part of that this episode. And it's, again, from Terrence N. It said, where the last one said, how can someone take responsibility for their own bad behavior? It's, what can you, what responsibility do you take for your own bad behavior? Mike, you're our guest. Man, that, that's a good question, Kevin. Um, you know, when I make a mistake, I need to uh, punish punish myself and do whatever I can not to repeat, repeat that mistake. And that's what I'm holding myself accountable for today, you know, um, in things that I've done in the past. And, uh, I don't want to disappoint myself and, uh, you don't get involved in that like self mortification stuff, do you, where you got to whip yourself in the back? <laughs> no, but I think I maybe should, you know, like maybe a shot collar would probably be or, no, a like, cliche, uh, <laughs> a cliche. You ever see, um, what is it? The Da Vinci code? The, yeah. the monk puts the cliche yeah. around his leg to remind him that Jesus always, that's, yeah. that's what that's for. It's to remind you that the pain is there. There's, there's just things that I need to be different about and, uh, just, uh, hold myself accountable more and not repeat those mistakes. And, uh, you know, um, drinking and driving is one of those things that I do not do. I, I choose not to drink. And I learned a very, very, very hard lesson in, in that, um, one part of my life, but there's other aspects of my life that I struggle with and want to become better every single day. And, uh, you know, just want to hold myself accountable and be, be better every day. Mike, it's really all about self accountability. You know, I mean, every action has an equal and opposite reaction they say or whatever. So, I mean, whatever you do is going to happen. Newton's third law. Yeah. Yeah. I just need to be able to grow up and, uh, make, make a smart, adult decision yeah exactly you know? and that's uh, it's all about being accountable for you know being accountable for your actions you like you said if you're if you're going to do something be prepared for the ramifications from it yes sir before like a after my shooting i blamed a lot of my bad behavior on the shooting and what it did to me mentally now there are still those bad behaviors there they're less than they were obviously but they're still there the difference is is how i react to them Yes. Where I will sit there like you, I'll go beat myself up for a while. But now I give myself a finite time of of how long am I am I allowed to 
be in my own little pity party. Yeah. You know, so say it's, you got, okay, Kevin, you're feeling bad about this. You got 15 minutes. That's your pity party. Then get over it. And then I take responsibility for what I did. If I wrong somebody, I will go apologize to them. I will say, I'm sorry. I'll try never to do it again. I cannot promise you. I do not want to promise you I'll never do <laughs> I'll it again. I'll try. <laughs> I will try, which is the lowest form of commitment. But yeah. I will try. But nevertheless, it's about me taking that experience, taking that suffering, learning from it, and trying to turn it into some form of success. Yeah. Terrence, I can't thank you enough for giving us two social media questions. That's a suffering podcast first. Keep sending in your questions. We will try to get them on the air. So before we go any further, I know we left off. You right. just had an accident. Cold night in Connecticut. You just had an accident. You got thrown 20 some odd feet from the car. You're unconscious. It's cold as hell out. Yeah. You were out drinking. Yep. And your friend Rich was in the front seat. Front and the seat. game is playing on the radio. The was, game, the game, yeah, it was the CD, the, the, the game, game white. I, I still can picture right now it was white and the game was written in red letters and, uh, you know, yeah. We got to get to, we got to get in touch with the game. That was the documentary as that is correct. Yeah. We got to get yeah. in touch with the game. Yeah. Lloyd. Like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> See, look a, what you did. I love music. Like I love music and, uh, you know, I remember, I remember exactly yeah. what CD was in. Um, so. Well, your auditory, your auditory memory is better than your, your visual memory. Yeah. It, it really is. Like if you get a, your, your, your other senses give you better memory than visual. Like yeah. if I see that book, that's great. But if I read that book and it gets in here, yeah. that memory is better. Yeah. If that book had a, like if it was a scratch and sniff book, I would remember it even better. <laughs> that's yep. that's tr- the truth. Like you yeah. can remember how many times you walk past somebody and they're wearing a, a particular type of perfume from an ex-girlfriend. Right, I, and you're, you're like I, I don't have any of those. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't have any of those. I don't. Know. I can't smell anything. No. But yeah. you, you understand what I'm I saying? Do. Like a a scent, smell will bring you back. You remember yeah. the scent, but you don't even remember what the girl looks like. You know, yeah, the funnel yeah. cakes remember you seaside, or you know, yeah. this this smells bring you back. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you, man. So, why don't you give our audience a little recap of what we spoke about last time? So here I am, you know, serving the Marine Corps, New Orleans, Louisiana, partying, having fun, brought the same sort of terrible decisions of drinking and driving and partying up to Connecticut while I was in college and uh, just kept making the same poor decision and uh, stupid self decision of drinking and driving and never thinking that anything could possibly. But like you said, I mean, it was common, it was, it was common practice. You know, yeah. you didn't know it was really a poor decision at that point. I'm sure at we some were point told, in your head. Yeah. You know. Mike and Kevin, like we're told, we're told, you know, like, oh, gee, it's seemed like a I'm going to get it. I'm going to, I'm going to get into another point a little bit later and we're going to circle around back to like this when we're told. And I'm going to like kind of circle around and give you an example, um, at a different portion and a little bit later on and, um, just going out, having fun. Um, you know, 20, 24 years old, senior in college, going out, dancing, having fun. Being and, that crazy Marine. Yep. And, I don't and, think I ever met a sane Marine, you know? No, they're, they're, they're definitely a different breed of individual. They, uh, they really are. They, they go a little harder than everybody else. Yeah. It's, it's Marine Corps birthday. Yeah, November 10th. 10th. November 10th. So, yeah, my daughter's birthday is the 12th. Really? And when she was going to be born, I was like, sweet. It's going to be around <laughs> Marine Corps. Never forget it. I'm like, sweet. And then I'm like, that passed shit. Then Veterans Day. I'm like, oh, she's going to be on Veterans Day. And I'm like, shit, she didn't come. And then on the 12th, my daughter was born on 12th. I'm like, damn, Bella gets her own damn day. She don't need to share it with anybody. <laughs> she waited. She didn't want to Bella, share it. Yeah. That. So Bella, yeah, she's, she is, uh, 
one of the best things that has ever happened in my life. We and, had an uh, old Vietnam Marine in here yeah. and we, we touched very heavily as November 10th should be a national holiday. Yeah. Hell yeah. Ton Tavern, Pennsylvania, man. Yeah. Like fight dudes fighting up in the bar and say, Hey, we're Marines. Then that's where it came Two, from. 276 years old. I don't know the exact 200. It's 1726, 1775. Yeah. Yeah. 26. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, just partying, making bad decisions in college and uh, left the bar. Going to make it home just like every every other night, you know. Never thinking of the consequences. No. And uh, it's my turn to drive this this night and left the bar and uh, almost home. Hit a, tree, hit a tree. I got ejected from the vehicle unconscious. And I think I was just getting into this. Um, someone that was actually coming home from a date himself. And was almost afraid to like stop because I think he had had a drink or two before with his new girl or girlfriend or whatever. And he saw my car crashed on the side of the road, lights on, stereo blaring, and ran across the road and slipped on his ass like twice trying to get to my car. And uh, saw me laying in the snow in the fetal position, like unconscious. Banged up, bloody. Yep. And this, I mean, like it's in, it's like snow on the ground. So whatever blood like shows up that much more. And uh, it was early morning, dark still, but I'm sure the lights and stuff, um, I'm sure he probably didn't see a good a good sight and something that no one would ever want to come across. And uh, he went around the other side. My vehicle and my friend Rich was sl- like slunched over and had his seatbelt on and uh, called 911 and police and EMTs and all them showed up. Rich was unconscious. How about the guys in the backseat? All home. Dropped them all off already. Oh, you did? So it's just you and me him and, in the vehicle? Me and Rich on our way home. We were like, like dropped off my buddy at my college, which is right up the road from Eastern. Dropped Holy off my- shit. So, so imagine what these two guys yeah. that you dropped off early feel. Holy shit. One of my good friends, the one that I borrowed the shirt from, like later on in life, I realized he kind of had like like his response uh, responsible for letting me leave his house last. You know, yeah. my good friend, Nick. And, uh, you know, it kind of made, had an impact on our friend, on our friendship for, for quite a few years until, you know, we kind of like hashed it out afterwards, but that's still something that, so here police, everything come, you know, to the scene of the accident and, uh, I'm laying in the snow and my good friend, Rich was pronounced dead on the scene of the accident, 20, 23 years old. What was his injuries? Died of head trauma. And, uh. I'm going to get into, I don't know if the camera can like see this. This is a, his memorial card that every time I go and speak. Um, so there's a story behind that card. I just want to say his name real quick. Yep. It's Richard Lee Bronson, October 10th, 1981 to February 5th, 2005. Yeah. No. Yeah. February 5th, 2005. Damn. Yeah. So 20, 23 years old and, uh, that number 23, I always do 23 push-ups, 23 reps whenever I'm done in the gym. And I do that because of my friend Rich was 23 when he lost his life. And uh, Rich was uh, Rich was awesome. And uh, his life was cut way too short because of a stupid decision that I made. And um, still carry that with me every single day. So when did and, you find out that he had passed? Because you're unconscious. So Imagine you get taken to the hospital. In a coma for four days. Patriots, Eagles, Super Bowl. And I remember my buddy was an Eagles fan. Eagles win. 
No, they they didn't win that one. They didn't win that one. They got their ass kicked by the Patriots. Oh man. Yeah, I think that was the Donovan McNabb one when they uh, got yeah. their ass oh, kicked. Oh, I know. This two thousand five. So I scrub. Team I obviously with a broken leg in that game or something. So like I I remember I was talking shit to my buddy who was an Eagles fan and he's like, yeah man, they might as well not even show up and play the game, right? You know, just sarcastic or whatever. And the Patriots, I think the Patriots kicked their ass. And uh, anyways. My family and friends came and watched the Super Bowl with me while I was in a coma, and uh, the doctors didn't think I was going to wake up. They, they even told like my parents that like even if he does wake up, he's going to be probably brain damaged or whatever. They didn't know the extent of uh, my brain injuries, and uh, like four and a half days later, I wake up, and they tell me that I asked to score the Super Bowl, <laughs> and like everyone was like like holy shit, like crying and upset and everything, and. Uh, my family told me that Rich passed away, and I had a traumatic brain injury. I mean, I had a traumatic brain injury, three broken ribs, punctured lung, broken hand, broken shoulder, two broken vertebrae in my back. And I'm like, like ser- serious injuries myself in the hospital. And uh, they tell me that Rich passed away, and it was hard to process. And when you have a brain injury, I'm still a little fucked up, <laughs> not going to lie. Like, yeah, still. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might agree. Hey, I might agree. I think we're all a little. Well, yeah. Yeah, just so everybody knows, Mike's girlfriend is in the control room yeah. right now, listening yeah. to this yeah. as we speak. And she probably would like to have a microphone right now and, and agree. No, but anyways, um, everyone asked me like, "Oh, do you notice that you're different, or like, has it like? I mean, there's obviously studies that they do on the human brain, left hematoma, traumatic brain injury. Yes, the it's it's amazing how like after that brain injury they told me rich died a couple hours later they like whatever and they'd be like me and i'd say to my mom and my friends i'm like man hope rich is fucking doing better than i am like i'm struggling yeah. you know like like i hope he's not struggling and then like i was like telling my bu- my friend to go home and get my hair gel so we could go out like make sure like you bring back my shirt and i was like I'm in the hospital, like practically like barely holding on. And my friend is gone and like, just couldn't pro couldn't process it. And, um, uh, still on pain meds at this point or when I was in the hospital, I still remember like, I, I obviously I was pretty screwed up and I do remember I cracked this tooth in the back and like one of the back molars. And once they took me off the pain meds, I took a drink of water yeah, and, and I don't know if roots. you ever had a freaking oh, nerve. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, holy, like, yeah, yeah like hold And, uh, you learned to deep throat the water real quick. <laughs> Man, I don't know, but that is, a, I that's don't know a, if anyone had a, a, a nerve exposure. No. It is like, sh- yeah, bone shattering. Yeah. And so anyways, I, they had to like cap. So I, I remember when I left the hospital, I wasn't on too, too much. And my mom was like really strict about, you know, making sure I did not take pain meds unless I needed it. And I think I switched over to like Motrin or whatever pretty pretty shortly after and like compound fracture in my hand i remember i had um my bone was popped out of this hand they had to do um surgery on my hand and but i just want to make this known to the audience like no matter what injuries i suffered in that accident nothing compares to what i caused and that is why i am here and that is why i wrote a book and that is why i go and speak and uh if i can prevent one person from making the same shitty decision that I made that night when I was young, 24 years old in college. Um, you can't unring the bell. Okay. Unfortunately, 
Some of the decisions that we make in life, you have to live with, and you better learn to live with them because they're going to be there forever and ever. Yes. Um, you know, your buddy's never coming back, and you have to come to terms with that. When did it actually, like, really sink in that your friend's not coming on home anymore? It was when I was at home. I remember um, I lived... Uh, my room was upstairs, but my injuries were so bad, I couldn't really make it up the stairs. And I stayed on the couch um, downstairs for a while, watched movies and stuff, and uh, just um, told my mom one night, I was like, Mom, why me? You know, why Why was Why was I left here? And uh, I think we all go through that when we go through a traumatic injury. You know, why me? It's, you know. I remember I broke down and I was crying. And when you see pictures of my car, like, I don't know if you have seen any of the videos or whatever, it is almost incomprehensible how I survived that accident. I got shot out my door. The door cracked open barely from where I hit the tree, right where I hit the tree cracked the, 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 like where it sealed in the door. And my door popped open and all that impact, I went shooting out my door and uh, state police, you know, did an investigation. They said I was like within a centimeter of being dead, like where I hit the, were the your tree shoes, twisted my, my were, seat. Were your shoes still on or did they come off? That I don't, I think I still was wearing like. Because usually, hmm. you're talking to a guy who did accident yeah. investigation his whole career. Usually when the shoes are off, you don't make it. Yeah. I'm dead serious. And that's yeah. usually where the point of impact is. Yeah. I was like flying, like flying all the impact. So I use the example. If you throw like a rubber ball against the wall, what what's going to come back at you? The, the rubber ball is coming yeah. back at you. The wall is not going anywhere. So all that impact, that tree that I hit. Didn't move. My car yeah. stopped and anything that wasn't like. An object so, in motion like, stays in motion. Exactly. Like if it wasn't seat belted or bolted down. That was getting f like f thrown out, and that's what happened to me. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So Rich, I guess the way the roof caved in. Um. I had a, su a sunroof. I had a Nissan Maxima, and uh, just um suffered life-threatening injuries that night. Now, how did your how did your family take it? This whole February fifth, two thousand five, has impacted my family and so many people's lives still to this day. Um, yeah. Because you're going to be known as the guy around town. Like him, that's him. Yeah. yeah. That's him. I was afraid like here I am the outgoing sociable guy that always want to go out. I didn't leave my house. I didn't leave my house and go anywhere for a long time. And, uh, that it's awesome that you bring that up, Kevin, because the support that I've gotten from my family and friends has been so, so good. And, even this memorial card that I have right here. This was given to me by Rich's dad. Rich's dad was a police officer, Groton police officer, retired Groton police officer. Used to give death notifications to families. And here he is. Yeah, four, knock on a door. Four something in the morning. I don't know the exact specifics, but I had spoken with Rich's dad before at a military base up where I'm from. And I had to hear his side of the story with my friend Rich's coroner's picture up on the PowerPoint screen while I spoke as an inmate while I was incarcerated. You want to talk about powerful? 
yeah, that's probably one of the most powerful days that I, that I will like never forget in my whole entire life. Here I am inmate incarcerated out with my friend's dad talking to Navy soldiers. And, uh, so yeah, they knocked on the door and gave, gave him the wallet. You being a parent, there's two things. Number one, no matter what your daughter does, no matter what your son or daughter does or what my sons do. Yeah. They're always your sons. They're always your daughters. Absolutely. The loss of one, no matter how much you wish it into existence, they're not coming back. And you just, you, you got to live with it. When, when was the first time that you were able, well, first of all, before let's back up. What, what did they test you in the hospital? What was your blood alcohol? 0.16. So you weren't even like that far gone. Well, now it's double the legal limit, right? It's yeah. It's double the legal limit, but. I mean, if, I was drinking 10, 12, 13, you know. If like, you're partying as much yeah. as you said you were. You tolerance. Were, tolerance. You build up a tolerance. There yeah. was much worse days. My mom, I still never, like my mom even asked my friend Nick that like, Nick, was he fucked up? Like Nick's like, hell no. Like I've seen him like yeah. much. It's um, you know how we spoke about taking responsibility earlier? Um black eyes driving to you know, like yes, everything everything happened for a reason. Like I should never have been going that fast. I shouldn't have been drinking and driving. You know, uh just You hit the perfect storm. Yeah, I was going to say, you should have heeded your mother's advice. It's, the, it's, the, the snow's going to melt, and yet the roads are going to get icy. It's crazy. Like, the back roads that this, like, I go by it all the time. My family lives near that where my accident was, and uh, it's on a hill, like this tree. They just cut this tree down. I'm not kidding you. This past six months ago, this tr- everyone's like, why the hell? This tree was literally touching, touching the roadway, and um, just it had snowed the day before, and then that Friday it got warmer. And it melted, and it was like one of those shady spots. Shady spots that when the te- it was like nine degrees out that morning, single digits. Yeah. So and, the sun didn't even have a chance to melt. And it was just right? like kind of wet on the road, and it was like glare ice. And the, and the kid ended up testifying. Like so, we'll get into that. I was arrested for second degree manslaughter with a motor vehicle under the influence of alcohol. Ten and a half years in prison, a felony. Ten and a half years in prison, and. uh yeah, that's kind of uh, hard but, to wrap your mind around. But then you run into you run into the the sticky situation where you know you did something wrong. Like there's no doubt in your mind, and I can tell just by talking to you, you know you did something wrong. But at the same time, you don't want to lose ten years of your life. So what do you do? Do I plead guilty and own up to it, or do I? Or you fight it? Or and fight it. Look and for a legal it. loophole. And so I was pretty messed up at the time. My parents had hired an attorney while I was, you know, like it's still like. The attorney did his best. You know, um, I remember I ended up uh, moving up to Boston, ended up moving to Boston, working on uh, Bourbon Bourbon Street, high-end restaurant. Like, my whole life was, like, in limbo. What am I going to do? Going to, you know, like, am I going to jail? Am I not going to, you know? So, I'll never forget uh, last the last time I went to court, it went on for, like, almost two years. Like, here I am, like grieving the loss of my friend like didn't even want to like be back home around like my friends and stuff and uh like wishing that i pretty much wasn't alive myself at, you know at times and going to court is reliving the whole incident again it's like i didn't it was my first you know kind of experiences with the court the you know criminal justice court system and uh not to mention i don't know if this ever crept in your mind but you're not a bad looking guy I'm, I'm i don't go that way but you're not a bad looking guy and now you're going to go to prison I know you're a Marine and all, Marines are tough, but yeah. I'm sure you weren't too keen on taking a couple hot dicks to your mouth. Yeah, man, I'm, 
I'm, I, I may be that's tough. A, you know, but that's a nice way of putting it, Kevin. Yeah, listen, hey, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. Yo, man, the mentality in prison is a lot different than the mentality in, in regular world. Yeah. And I'm just going to let you know that for, for, yeah. So, yeah, the thought of going to prison for 10 and a half years really wasn't um, something, but I never looked at it that way. I wanted to take responsibility. I wanted to take responsibility and, you know, eat, like, like you said, you know, rich is never coming back. You know, um, even if I did spend time in jail, or whatever, I knew, like, I always had a positive mindset of, you know, like, I know I'm going to have a good life one day and I'm going to turn this around. Like, early on, I always wanted to go out and, like, tell people. So, my last time I show up to court, judge says five years. Last. And this is the last the offer. The last plea bargain. The, la- yeah. the last offer. Either take five years or go to trial. Like, I sat in that courtroom. Five years seems like an eternity. Absolutely. Like, yeah. That that you said I'm sort of pretty. Yeah. Five <laughs> years in prison didn't seem to really that that yeah. It didn't so, seem like a great deal. Didn't seem no. enticing. Better than ten, but still. Yeah. So my attorney is like, no, this is a marine, never been arrested, never had a record, and we'll bring it to trial. Shit you not, man. Showing up to trial was like eye opening. Like I couldn't believe I was sitting in the courtroom. Showing up every day, selecting in a defendant jurors. chair, selecting jurors. Mike, I'm not shit. Yeah. Like one of my old substitute teachers, baseball coach was one of the jurors got picked, and he's like, "Nope, sorry, can't." Mike was one of my. Yeah. I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like this, it was like real. It was like reality setting in. It was like crazy. Yeah, that was a that was a tough time. The the whole court trial was. So did you plead, did you go- you Not went, guilty. Went you to, played not guilty, went to trial. Toxicologist, friends from the party, like every like everyone, it lasted like a month. Hmm. And uh, never forget went it, man. breathalyzer experts, all that stuff, trying to- Yeah, there's, there was like a ringer's lactate that like my attorney found out from a scientist, a ringer's lactate has causes a double negative when you have a brain injury. That's the solution that the EMTs gave me when they were transporting me from the, the ambulance or whatever. And the scientists say it like has a- false positive on alcohol rating like whatever i'm i'm just glad everything worked out the way it did because rich's dad gave this to me when i was in prison and uh they saw that i took responsibility and served my punishment well, how, how many years did you get i i got sentenced to five and a half years in prison oh you got found guilty this necklace uh found guilty took it off gave it to my mom took on my suit jacket on a tuesday i'll never forget it tuesday and uh afternoon and uh, lost four years of my life, almost four years of my life. I was a convicted felon. Where did you go? First one is off like a highway up uh, where I live. It's called Corrigan. Um, I know Corrigan. Twenty-four hour lockdown, man. Like looking out the window, like shit. It's gonna know? be a long time. So <laughs> yeah. I've heard I've heard this from other people who have gone to prison. The first time that door closes on you, yeah, it's allowed. Like, yeah. My pen dropped down here and it kind of was like, yeah, it's something like that. You know, uh, you never forget it. Like now it's, now it's, dude, dude, now it's real. That's reality. It's like, I was a Marine though. And thankfully I was blessed with a strong mind and it wasn't like, oh man, poor me. I'm in prison. I'm like, this shit is what I, what, what I deserve. I was given a punishment and every day is one day closer. And that was the mentality I had. Um, Food yeah. was probably better. The what? The food was probably better. In Marines was. Oh, it was? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. The food in prison But you prison didn't have drill sergeants yelling at you all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the food in the prison sucked. 
Like, <laughs> that, and that's putting it mildly. Yeah, sucked. So was there a moment in prison where you're like, okay, now it's time to turn the page. Now it's time to... I remember. So I went right to prison after I was found guilty from the trial. You can either bail yourself out. Appeal it, all that stuff. and that Appeal down down the road, maybe, yeah. Like, I watched Dateline, Nightline, all that shit. And, like, yeah, appeals and, yeah. There was none of that going on. It was either me starting my time then or getting bailed out and then going back. And I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm not paying a bail. I'm starting my time now. So we started my time. And here I am, you know, go to work. Like I work as an inmate right away. Like some people that I knew um, were correctional officers, you know, helped me get into a job. And I was a tutor. I was a tutor for these people that are working on their GEDs. You know, um, I'm a college graduate, you know, business degree. And I wanted to use my mind as best as I could and help and give back. So I was in Corrigan for like three months, almost three months. And then sentencing day comes. My parents hired another sentencing specialist, letters of recommendation. I had like lieutenant colonels flying from California, another attorney from Houston fly in town and like had over a hundred people in the courtroom to speak on my behalf. And my attorney's like, tell me where you're from. Every person came up to the microphone. I know Mike from this place. And uh, I was sentenced to five and a half years that day. And you want to talk about, you get held, you get held in the, like they call it the tank or whatever down below. Yeah. My head hurt a lot when I, yeah, was sentenced to five. I was like, holy, like when I first saw it on paper, like 2000, like 21 or some shit, like my, my parole and probation would be over. I'm like, damn, is the world even still going to be around in 2021? And like, yeah, that's crazy. Gonna, yeah. Uh, there's a lot to be said, but there, there had to be a moment of clarity in prison for you to be there and where you are now. Something had to turn. I made a mistake. And you know what I told you I would refer back to earlier. You know, we're all told a million times not to drink and drive. The Oh, my God, the commercials, drunk and drive. Even on the highways, you know, um, click it or ticket or drunk driving gets, you know, like everyone's told. Drive sober or get pulled over. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff. You know, we see it in our eyes and all the time. And uh, But it's like white noise. <laughs> it's like until that pain, until that pain, we feel like that damn, that hard pain. And uh, that was a wake up call to me. And here I am in prison, get sentenced to five and a half years. There's this guy named Bobby. He was kind of like a cool dude that looked out a little bit after because, as you said, pretty boy in prison. I need I needed a little bit of you know like people on my side. You know, it's either that or you better start duct taping your ass shut. <laughs> Credibility and uh, yeah. earn you know like with other people. And I knew how to play the game. Like I was mentally prepared and prepared myself to play the game. And, uh, I knew I was not going to see any of these people ever again in my life. But anyways, Bobby was a dude that kind of like had my back and, and I had his back, you know, it's all kind of a brotherhood type thing. And, uh, he was in prison for bank robbery, got sentenced right around the time armed bank robbery, got sentenced around like same amount of years as me. Who's going out with their friends on a call, like out yeah. on an innocent night out in college. And my friend, is you know killed in the accident and here this guy like run knows the, he's going in bank and he's, got he's going into time. a bank with a gun and, and like so i always when i speak to kids i'm like you're not gonna go rob a bank you're not gonna be like oh man i'm gonna go like after school today i'm gonna take my dad's nine millimeter and go rob no it's like 
and how I refer to it, drinking alcohol, it's like a society accepted, but like those punish that punishment, we're all not, we all are told not, you know, like about it. So it's kind of crazy, you know, when you think about the two, you know, the punishment for someone going into a bank with a gun and someone that goes out just having a few beers with their friends. And uh, yeah, so I made that choice when I talk to kids and all that stuff. I'm like, that's a choice that you need to make today. I promise that I will never drink and drive. I like it's like flipping on a switch, you know, like it's a decision that you need to make in a, in a commitment. So yeah, I've committed to that. As your time starts to run out in prison, you're getting closer. You're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. How did you, what was your plan? You had to have a plan. Shit. Uh, wasn't to go out and have I, a beer. I know that. Like, so I knew, <laughs> no, hell no, man. Like I had quit drinking before. Um, it just, it brought too much, like it just, uh, brought too much pain in my life and like I can go and dance like a, I'll go out and dance and drink club soda and cranberry juice or water and be just fine it's like well I that's don't the need- thing now so if you're if you're sober and like I, I I haven't touched a drink in like it's like seven years or eight years something like that yeah so I'm fine with that what yeah. makes me uncomfortable like Oh, you care if I have a drink around you I'm like go ahead go I'm, do what you gotta do I'm like dude I'm not an alcoholic yeah. like it's a see like me Mainly, I don't like to be different than I don't like my personality or whatever to be altered because of something that's in my body. You know, mm-hmm. like I want to be like yeah. this, you know, and, and like, yeah. And plus, I don't like waking up feeling like shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not 25 years old anymore. It takes a lot of time to recover. Yeah. I'm all good. And plus, that shit's a waste of money. It's all good. Now, what was your first conversation with Rich's father? His friend worked in the prison that I was at, Brooklyn Correctional Institute. Man, you're lucky you didn't get an ass whooping. Yo, lined up me to see, like I like I wanted to talk to him. My counselor, I let him know that I want to go and speak. I want to talk to him. They set it up through glass, like which obviously you know, like yeah. for you know, uh, jail. You know, like they, who knows? You know, like you see, you know, uh, defendants and all that get into it. So they had to do it, um, you know, first through the glass on a phone. And I told Rich's dad, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I would do anything to take back that night. And like, Michael, we, we understand it's how you're going to live your life from here on out is the relationship that we're going to have. And ever since then, I took took a promise to myself that, you know, I would never disappoint them if I had the opportunity to get out of prison early. Like if if they wanted to, they could have came at my parole hearing and be like, nope, Michael's staying. No, yeah, so exactly. I got like I got out earlier, you know, like around four, four years. And um, I cannot thank them enough. You know, we have a good relationship today. And, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I never forget, you know, like I talked to you guys earlier, you know, like losing your freedom. Some people have a short memory and they continue to do shit to like go back. And I'm like, man, not me. I'm good. I enjoy my freedom too much. Like we said, that, that, that strict punishment is going to change your mind about making that decision again. Yeah. So I cherish, like I cherish this time being able to pass on a story that is going to, you know, like Rich's name will be carried on forever. Now, how did this come about where you chose to write about it? Was it a cathartic thing? I've always been a speaker and going in high school, you know, like everyone does like a group project. Hey, we're doing a project on, you know, this and you have your note cards and be like, okay, you got to go up and share in front of, in front of the class. How many kids are like, man, are you talking? You know, like I always was like, Hey man, I'll do it. And I just knew that I was left here partly to carry on a message and uh, the message 
of the terrible decision that I made and uh, wanted to get it out there as best as possible. And literally less than a year after my accident, I was speaking at my high school, like knocking on doors, telling people I want to go talk to the kids. And like, in order to be an effective speaker, you need to kind of like brand yourself a little bit more. And I'm only one person in one place at one time. I only can be here sharing this today. And with my book, I knew that was, it, it's be able to reach more people on a larger, larger scale. Well, so, you know, it, it's funny when, before, when you said you were asking a question, why me? Yeah. Maybe that's what, maybe that's why it was you. It's because you could, you know, go out and speak your mind yeah. freely and, and comfortably. A lot of people like I get like cho- choked up sometimes, you know, like uh, Tiffany had came and saw me. So I'm speaking in New Jersey last year and that's how I'm even here today. You know, I'm speaking at Fort Lee High School, New Jersey, and we stay in Hoboken and almost get run over by Benny Love. Benny Love. Love. Like, no shit. Talk about things coming full circle. It's like like Tiffany was training for a marathon, going for a long run. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to go, like, sell books. Like, I have a bag with, like, I go, hey, you guys, like, read in. I'll, like, go up to strangers and be like, want to sign a copy of my book? So I'm going, and here I am trying to save the world, help everyone. A car is backing out of their garage into a tight road. And here I'm walking up towards Benny's sports Every car. road in Hoboken yeah. is a tight yeah, road. Yeah, no shit. Like, I'm like, <laughs> how are the garages underneath? Like, how's yeah. this dude? And he just not even paying attention and just backing out. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to save the world and back this guy out so there's no accidents. Well, here I am standing in the middle of the road and this freaking canary yellow Ferrari comes flying up the road and I'm standing and I'm like, holy shit. I was his name killed. on the Ferrari somewhere? Because usually Benny puts his <laughs> yeah. name on, on every car he has. Little did I not know until I walk up by the sports complex that this dude in the Ferrari is like part of the sports complex. I'm like, yo, man, you almost killed me. You want to buy my book? And he was like, hell yeah. And <laughs> we end up talking it up and here we are. Like Benny, like I, that dude is one People are put in your life for a reason. No, yeah. no doubt about it. And uh, here I am. You so know? the story of how we got connected was you had listened to Benny's story, yeah, and you reached out to me on social media. Saw your story too. Yeah, and he. So you tell me a little bit about your story. You tell me how you met Benny. And the first thing I did is I called Benny up. I'm like Benny, what's the like? I always I, that's that's about as much vetting as I do on people. Yeah. When somebody's in here, they become family, and their word carries a lot of weight with me. Mm-hmm. So Benny's word carries number one. Benny Benny scares me from some time to time. <laughs> um, if Benny says do this, you do it. You do it. You do <laughs> yeah. it. And I remember calling Benny up. I'm like, what's up with this guy, Mike Panis? Tell me, tell me, tell me what's up. And he goes, oh, he's a good dude. You know, I almost ran him over. <laughs> it's like so. Yeah. You're yeah. just trading guns for, for cars now. But Benny, Benny, so Benny's word held a lot of weight for me. And then when you and I started talking and I started watching a lot of stuff. You sent me some stuff about yourself, about you. And I'm like, wow, that, you know what? We, we have talked to a lot of people with alcohol problems who have had, had DWIs. When you told me about your friend, Rich and how he lost his life, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a powerful story. Yeah. Because it's something that still goes on. It's, it's still normalized. It just, there was an incident not that long ago where people think nothing of having a few and getting in a car and it's all yeah. well and good when you make it home. But what yeah. about that one time you don't? I take it personally now, obviously, you know, no one, like you can have someone pick your ass up. At you. I mean, there's, there's military bases that have a driver come out with uh, like two vehicles. They'll bring you and then come and bring you back the next day to get your car. There's, there's like no excuse now. Especially with Uber and Lyft, Lyft and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, yeah. 
it's just complete selfishness and um yeah just uh i hope moving forward you know uh, not as many people make the same bad choice that i did and i'm going to continue to go out there and tell people i'm like look man like this is not you know like everything that i do is kind of like has like a, a a little bit of a it's a linger like a lingering like nag because my friend rich isn't able to you know like do this or he's his family's not gonna yeah. be able to see this it's like like just something that i'm gonna live with for the rest of my life and uh you know well, the funny thing about you is so if, when you drive down the road and you see the signs stay sober or get pulled over yeah it's just a sign yeah you know and, and it's more like a hypothetical yeah you're the living reality yeah. say to you it's a lifestyle yeah it's it's real it's real yeah i take it personal and uh i think being able to go out and speak to people in person and hoping that i can say something that will trigger them to remember and 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 like i said it's a promise like you have to make today it's like i'm not gonna go rob a bank with a gun like hello most people in in their life aren't going to make that decision unless they're pretty fucked up and doing it for drugs or whatever reason it was that time i used to wear the president's mask and go in there (laughs) Yeah, me and, oh, my yeah. four, me and my three other friends. That was a good. That was a good <laughs> movie, movie, man. That was movie. A good, that was my life. No, yeah, I, that was a good movie. It, it, going out and, and talking about this, I guess, is very like therapeutic for you. It's when I get a message from someone, Mike, like reach me on social media or whatever. Like a dude texts me from. I went to New Mexico with my daughter, the government, um, Clovis, New Mexico, um, Air Force Base, Special Forces. A dude's like, man, I just wanted you to know, man, you had such an impact on my life and your story and I will never make that decision. And it's just little things like that. And like when I'm in my town or like, hey, you're the kid that came and spoke in my high school, you know, or whatever. It's better to be remembered as that versus you're the kid who got into that DWI and and killed your friend. You you see how you changed your stars? Yeah. Yeah. Your military background. Did the military have any, did you, were there any repercussions in the military? No, I was completely out of the military yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, cause this, that's a dishonorable discharge, right? Yeah. If that yeah. would have happened, um, you know, while I was in the military, I would have went to the break, never been honorably discharged yet. Yeah, I was completely out going to college, you know, using my GI bill. It's embarrassing to the Marine Corps, you know, because once a Marine, always a Marine. And, um, I made a decision to use my military uniform on it, but, uh, you know, I was going to say, did you have to get the okay from them for that? Or I, I I didn't, um, it's my book, my rights and all that stuff, but still everyone has to remember, you know, like you're a Marine, you know, you represent the, the United States Marine Corps, but I knew I, it was a powerful cover of my book to show, you know, uh, like there's struggle involved in, in, you know, uh, yeah. We all can be this one big, bad, tough Marine, but one one decision can, uh, you know, flip your whole life upside down, and that's what happened. Everybody falls. It's how you get back up. Yeah, I'm still still learning how to pick myself up every day. So you, you had posed a question. I, I know Mike touched on it a little bit with, you know, why you yeah. and not Rich. Yeah. I think Mike hit the nail on the head with that because had it been reversed where Rich survived and you didn't. Yeah. It's very possible, and it it's very possible that Rich wouldn't be able to go out and tell the story and have the impact and have the effect on people that you're having to this day. Yeah. So that's you answered your own question with that. Why yeah. you? Well, yeah. I'll tell you why you because yeah. this is what you need to do, and and that's what like kind of motivates me. Um, uh, like getting those messages, or like if I can change someone, um, you know, even. Like my story is, you know, turned more into, um, 
you know, having a, having a positive mindset, you know, shit happens to all of us every single day, you know, like nothing. God, uh, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Yes. And I, I heard one the other day. So suffering can either open your eyes or blind you from the truth. And I, I heard that one the other day and I'm like, damn, that's, that's, that's so much truth in that statement. You know, and, and the other thing with this is, is you could have went the other way also. Yeah. You know, the, the woe is me thing and fell deeper into the bottle. Yeah. Like here I am. I got a complete pardon from the state of Connecticut. Oh, so you're no longer a convicted felon. Good. I have my pistol permit. Because hung- you wouldn't be the first felon we've had in here. <laughs> no longer a felon. And I'm a state employee. Like I, I'm a state employee now. And the whole irony. So I started with Rhode Island last year. I was actually in Cancun today last year with, with Tiffany, probably the best week of my life in Cancun last year. And, uh, I started in Rhode Island DOT. And I applied for Connecticut and Rhode Island. Rhode Island offered me the job first. And my last day working in Rhode Island before I went on vacation to Cancun and started in Connecticut, which would be this like Thursday or Friday, exactly a year. My last day um, following the inmates in Rhode Island picking trash up on the highway. And I'm like, holy fuck. I never did that shit before. Like in my last day in Rhode Island, I worked there. They're like, hey, Mike, you're going to be in a crash unit following behind the inmates. And I'm like, no shit. And I go up to those inmates before I left. I didn't really, I treated them with respect always like, not, and I went up to them like, Hey man, I just want to let you know one day I, I was in your shoes and here I am. You can do the same thing. So just make sure you continue to go in, in a forward path. And I, and they didn't probably know exactly what I was yeah. talking about, but like, I was like the irony. And then here I am now working snowstorms and when we get ice and I'm out plowing <laughs> and f- salt in the damn roads. Yeah. And it's like, what? And like, holy shit. The, how life comes full circle. Yeah. Like I'm a state employee. I was a convicted felon and now here I am like, I, like here I can do that stuff. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. So where can our audience find your book? Kevin, I'm actually going to uh, sign this one. This for one's you. for, this one's for us. Yeah. You better yeah. sign it. I'm going to sign this one for you and uh, uh, make sure uh, you too, Mike, uh, you're going to get a signed Absolutely. copy as well and live with honor, turning tragedy into triumph. Is available on Amazon. You can go to my website, mikepanis.com. There's a link to the Amazon link there. And check our show notes. It'll be on there. I'm on Instagram, you know. What's your Instagram? Mike underscore Panis and Mike Panis on Facebook and all the others. Um, If, uh, and also like anyone out there knows uh, anybody who needs to be spoken to at high schools or had to contact at high schools around prom time, graduation time, or any connections with military bases. I'd love to go out there and speak and share this powerful message. That's all through your website. Yeah. They can contact me. There's a contact page to go to mikepanis.com and uh, yeah. Um, send me, you send should me. tag team with somebody who talks about teen pregnancy. This is the perfect mix. Yeah. <laughs> don't drink and drive and don't get pregnant as a teen. Yeah. That's prom. That's prom stuff right there. But that's awesome, though. I want you to sign that for us, and we'll, we'll have a prominent place in our studio, and we'll do everything we can in order to to push that one out. And lastly, I just want to say thank you, Kevin and Mike. It is such an awesome and awesome Andrew over there on the work behind so behind the Andrew. scenes. Um, and just uh, lastly, I want to thank you know Rich's family for giving me the opportunity to you know like have forgiveness and uh, you know continue to to honor Rich. You, I mean, I got. I got goosebumps through this whole thing. I mean, you are an incredible person. You really are. Yeah. And I mean, that's Mike. I'm, I'm still in the work of, of becoming better every day. I thank you for that. But like I've said and told people all, all the time, like this is all I knew. 
you know, this is all I knew and this is the, the path that I chose in order to go out there. And like we said, I was left here to hopefully, you know, help other people make a better decision. And thank you. Thank you for that. But it's just all I know. So we're coming to the end of this thing here. And there's, we're not going to bring thing. it back a third week. Don't no, worry there's about a it. lot to unpack on this one, but I always end every show because there's a lesson in everything. Yes, sir. There's a lesson in your suffering. And I always try to find out what you have learned from your own suffering. I have learned that no matter how invincible you think we are, um, we're, we're, we're not invincible. And uh, I still have a lot to work on and become better and uh, perfect in that every single day. You know, we can be kicked down at any, any point in our lives at any time. And, um, you know, it's just... Uh, no, we're not invincible, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, so a plan that, you know, we have to overcome obstacles in our life. And, uh, like you said, it's how you get up and I'm going to continue to get up and do, do the best thing I can. You said no, no matter how big and bad you think you are, there's something out there that's bigger and better than you are. 100%. And you know, there's going to be another time throughout your life that you're going to get knocked down again. Yes, sir. But you're, at least you're going to be a little bit better prepared in order to pick yourself back up. But you know, well, listen, if I, if I could say anybody's going to pick themselves up, I would say Mike's going to do it. Mike's going to do it. Well, thank you guys so much. That means a lot. Well, thank you so much for coming in. This has been eye-opening. It's been yeah, wonderful. 100%. I can't wait to read my signed copy. Yes, my sir. own personal signed copy. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. As always, let's think about all the stuff that we learn. Youth, youth issues have ripple effects. Hang with dogs long enough and you'll get fleas. Consequences need to be felt, not, a, not just a threat. Decisions become habitual. The question is, why me? Because you're not done yet. But most importantly, and very important, I want everybody to remember Richard Bronson, 23 years old. Kevin, I am so grateful to have connected with you and be a guest on the Suffering Podcast. Life is what you make it and anything is possible. Always Mike Panis. And Kevin, I'm so happy this day happened. I'm so happy I almost got ran over by Benny Love to make this happen. So thank you so much for being, uh, let me be here, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of Drunk Driving with Mike Panis. And don't forget to follow us on social media, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Fillets. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. Of course, follow the Suffering Podcast. Don't forget to check out Popple.com for your digital business card. Put in TSP20 for a nice 20% discount. Don't forget also, you can always listen before you watch all of our audio episodes. Come out on Sunday before they start airing on YouTube on Monday. And ring the bell, subscribe. Let's get to 10,000. And we're going to see you on the next episode of Suffering Podcast. Thank you.